The views and opinions reflected in any of the stories narrated are solely those of the story contributor and are not necessarily that of the Nightmare Society. This podcast features adult content, so listener discretion is highly advised. And if you or anyone you know is struggling, help is available. Please see the resources in the show notes. Hello again, Nightmare Society, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. It's the most wonderful time of the year right now, and don't think I'll leave you hanging. We're working hard to keep you spooked this Halloween season. A big thanks to our contributor, User Regrets and Fears, who so graciously shared their pretty crazy experience. Nightmare Society is available on most pod streamers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Anywhere you can find a podcast, we should be there. So please make sure to follow or subscribe so you can get episode notifications. And uh, we would love it if you followed us over on YouTube as well. Thanks so much. Now, get comfy. And prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. fading and some days I struggle to remember even the most basic of things. I know that if my body does not go first, my mind surely will. I will somehow make 73 years at the end of this month, but it feels much, much longer. I have no remaining family, and all my friends are either dead or senile. There's something I need to get off my chest before I go. I always thought of myself as a well-educated man, despite my lack of a proper tertiary education. I was born American, but absorbed my Trinidadian roots when I reached these shores at the age of 19. I was handsome back then, confident, arrogant, and naive. I arrived with my older brother who was sent here as a representative of Contel Corporation, a telecommunication partnership with the United States at that time. We were Catholic and rather wealthy in comparison to the general population, yet still respected by most locals. I say all this to paint a brief picture of our stability and sound mind at that time. We did not give cultural folklore, voodoo, or magic an inch of tolerance. To us, these topics were little more than wishful thoughts devised by uneducated people who could not accept reality as it was. Utter tomfoolery 
as my older brother would often call it. We lived in a well-furnished two-story brick house close to where Mount St. Benedict was and still stands today. On either side of our small mansion there was dense thick forest leading up to untouched northern hills. My brother made a good friend with one of the Brazilian monks who, despite his assumed serenity, gave in to worldly vices. They became almost inseparable, and he would reside with us four weeks at a time, both of them smoking and drinking to inevitable sickness, then repenting and cleansing their souls the next day. Alcohol was not a vice I enjoyed myself, but smoking persisted throughout all my years. The enveloping forest brought with it a symphony of noises, each sung by a critter hidden in the deep brush. At night, this nature-driven choir would echo and engulf our small mansion. The three of us grew to love it. However, as such sounds lulled along night after night, there would always be a peculiar disturbance around 3 a.m. or so. This choir of nature would suddenly halt. After 30 seconds or so, give or take a few breaths, dogs would be heard in the distance, barking furiously but never drawing closer. Every night these barks would rudely interrupt the forest's lullaby for about 10 minutes, after which the various critters would resume singing again. And so it went for years. We had assumed these dogs came from the locals who dispersed to the hills after emancipation generations ago. To us, that was their rightful land, deed or not, and we thought nothing more of it. One night, identical to any other, my brother and the monk found themselves on the ground floor veranda, smoking and drinking as per their usual ritual. I hung around smoking more than I should have, but rarely did I drink. I remember that unassuming night so clearly, even now, how my stomach grew upset from all the tar in the unfiltered, self-rolled cigarettes. We hadn't even noticed when 3am approached. Like clockwork, the sudden stop of the natural critter sounds drew our undivided attention. And like any other night, 30 seconds later the dogs began to bark as if on cue. To this day I still wonder what possessed my big brother to do what he did. It was likely the alcohol combined with our shared ennui. But I have always wondered how it would have been had we just retired to our bedroom just a bit earlier. For reasons unknown, he began barking back towards the forested hills, viciously. I remember the monk spilling his drink from laughter, causing my brother to quickly react and cease his barking in an attempt to catch the glass. To our bewilderment, the barking stopped for a few seconds. Instead of a group of dogs returning an agitated but expected response, only one dog responded to my brother's mockery, mimicking his human barks to an eerie accuracy. I remember how we all stared at each other, confused but amused.
There was a deafening silence that followed. We waited for the critter's sounds to return. One minute passed, then five minutes, then ten. There was no return of our usual melody, even without the dogs actively barking. Perplexed, my brother decided to bark again, this time slow, controlled, and with intention, done with a rhythm more complex than his first outburst. Without delay, the single dog returned the barks just as they were given, almost like an echo. Only this time, the mimicking canine sounded a bit closer than before. We hadn't given him much thought at the time. Added to that, I remember my brother and his friend being quite engaged by these responses. A break in their usual routine was very much welcomed. Soon it was our monk friend taunting the hidden mutt but it curiously did not respond to him, for reasons still unknown. He joked that it must have been because he was regularly repenting and praying when not enjoying our company, and how he was blessed by grace. I never dared partake in their game. My fear of wild dogs in this country was always well known, even as far back as then. And so it went for what seemed like half an hour, my drunk brother bellowing a unique rhythm, and the beast echoing it back with extreme accuracy, louder and curiously closer with each iteration. It was only when the playful canine sounded just about a mile or so away that we all came to a sudden realization. The returning barks were starting to sound progressively warped. The guttural punch of a dog's roar turned to a thin, filtered copy. It no longer sounded like any dog we had ever encountered, at least no local breed. What made it worse was that it seemed to have stopped at the edge of the dense forest, but no matter how methodically we scanned the outskirts for visual confirmation, our efforts remained fruitless. The thick darkness shaded the mutt's physical presence. I was the last to notice the strangeness of the situation. I remembered looking at our monk friend and upon seeing his previously plump face now filled with concern, began absorbing that concern. My brother, as brave as he was, began frantically waving for us to go inside. I could tell he didn't want to speak in the event that it drew the wild dog closer. The silence felt electric and every creak on the wooden veranda cemented the uncomfortableness of the situation. The monk and I retreated just behind the large balcony doors as we monitored my brother stepping closer to the edge of the veranda, still peering for signs of the hidden beast. And when he accepted that visual identification was not an option, he decided to mock it with a bark once more. At least we could hear where it was, if anything. <laughs> I still remember the sound that followed to this day. A high-pitched, wheezing, gravel-like imitation of my brother's bark was projected directly to the front of where we now stood, still in the shadows but clearly aware of us in the light. We all, my brave brother included, 
darted inside and locked the doors before its unearthly call could finish. Frantic galloping could be immediately heard rustling to the left of the house as we slammed shut the large wooden doors, circling to the back, then along the right and finally stopping at the front again, all in a matter of seconds. For clarity, our small mansion could take at least five minutes to run around, considering the outside terrain and size of our housing. Absolute silence followed. I remember feeling my pulse pressuring through my eyes, hearing my heart beat as if it were pressing into my sternum, noticing how loud spit sounded as I gulped in the dimly lit hall we now stood in. And then, as if to announce it was still with us, heavy, raspy breathing followed, coming ever closer to the thin wooden door that separated us from the outside. We all knew where it stood. We all hoped it didn't know where we cowered. Then, just like that, it all suddenly stopped. There were no footsteps to assume its retreat from our house, and no other sign of its absence, besides the sudden cessation of its heavy breaths. The critters resumed singing within a matter of seconds, as if nothing happened. Perhaps a sign of safety? To describe what we felt as relief would be an understatement. No, this felt innate, as if we were just prey that survived an apex predator. We did not open the door until midday, when the sun was at its brightest and the light touched everything. And even in the sweltering Caribbean sun, our hearts never eased. No matter how we rationalized it, the burning stare of something from the hills felt painted onto our backs. I could tell my brother was shaken when he put the alcohol away and loaded his old rifle. Guns on the island weren't readily available to just anyone at that time, and for him to take it out for more than a polish meant he made up his mind that something had to die. Our monk friend, as loyal as he was to my brother, sought refuge at the mount with his own people. He was adamant that he left during strong daylight. A walk would have him reach the mount's community by evening, and if he hurried he could be spared any afternoon darkness. We bid him farewell, my brother a bit upset with his cheap betrayal. We secured the doors with removable planks, no easy task for two people given the size of the small mansion. My brother brought out the gas lamps and hung them roughly 20 meters apart, radiating around the house, about 10 or 12, although two did not light well due to wear and tear. He lit them at 6.30 p.m. I recalled this specific time because he knew we lacked the amount of oil needed to sustain the lights past midnight. When the night came, we retreated to the upstairs guest bedroom. From here, we could have seen the entire backdrop of forest surrounding the house with the rifle in hand. The one thing we lacked was living bait. A pig, chicken, or goat would do. My brother's bark would have to suffice. Every hour on the hour, from 7pm onwards, he would frustratingly growl and yell into the forest, as he did the night before, but to no effect. The lights encircling our house dimmed and died around 1am, 
longer than expected but still two hours shy of the hound's schedule. 3am would soon be here, and God willing, the canines would not bark tonight. I remain eternally ashamed. What happened between those final two hours I cannot recall. My body gave in to the tiredness of two long sleepless nights. Tobacco nor fear could not keep me awake, and to this day I feel the burden of that weakness. I do not know at what time past 3am I woke up, but I do remember hearing our monk friend clearly calling out to both of our names. The sun showed no signs of rising, so it must have been close to the hour, but my brother was nowhere in the guest bedroom where we were stationed. Out in the distance, through dark leaves and tall forest shadows, our monk friend's voice repeated his desperate shouts. He sounded concerned, not in pain, nor in panic but with just enough emphasis and intention that we naturally come to find him. And then, I see my brother, his off-white shirt barely reflecting the moonlight in the distance at the forest's edge. He was calling back to his monk friend, pleading simple questions with no proper response. My second mistake. I shouted across the dark distance my brother's name realizing he had left me locked on the second floor room alone. He turned around to see me standing on the guest room's balcony, waving for his attention and pleading with urgency to come back. Our monk friend's voice had ceased while my brother's back was turned with his attention directed to me. And then, without warning, through the dark, dense flora, I heard my voice bellow back. It sang in my brother's name, Intimately and familiar, as if whatever it was had known him his entire life. Have you ever felt so shocked, so caught off guard that all senses fail? Your legs lock at the knees, your stomach shrivels to the size of a cork ball, your kidneys sear with pain and your mental functions implode. Urine pooled at my feet as I saw my brother quickly begin his sprint back to me. Realizing whatever this was is not for the hunt. All I could do was stare as he made record time across the distance he so carefully inched before. To his right came familiar galloping and rustling, some light lamps falling down as whatever ran next to him sped past, as if something was darting through the trees at immeasurable speed. I could tell it outpaced him and continued its gallop to the right of our mansion, but I dare not look. My eyes fixated on my brother. That was all I could muster. He got about ten feet from the mansion. I'll always remember his face. How I wish the moon had stayed hidden that night to spare me his expression as he turned to look up at the guest room's balcony where I stood. He froze in his tracks. Every muscle on his sweaty face now instructed to fear as he stared in disbelief. I felt its raspy, filtered breath on my neck, running down my back. I hadn't even noticed the door breaking open or it coming in. It stood behind me, the hairs on my neck painfully standing up as my mind tried catching up to reality. This was it. God was not here tonight. 
The slow rise of my brother's rifle was all I could focus on. His eyes cosmically terrified, as if he was about to go blind in exchange for his sanity. He aimed directly at me, tears too afraid to fall and in that moment sought to grant me a kindness. He pulled the trigger. The night ended with a bang and a flash, then a thud, followed by a painless darkness. When I awoke, two full days had already passed, although at the time it felt like mere seconds. I was in the care of a good physician who the island had made a name for. With a sad expression, he addressed my pitiful state, explaining how my brother in his drunken stupor buried a projectile into my left side chest. At some point between the time I began medical care and the time I woke up, my brother went missing. People rumored and said that he had to have fled to the hills because locals heard him shouting my name through the trees for the past two nights. Although he sounded close, it was always during the early morning periods. The darkness made any bystanders too hesitant to look and too scared to call back, lest he shoot them too. To this day, I have never glimpsed my brother's face again. The small mansion which still stands today, or so I've been told, has never felt my presence since then. The allowance of my preserved life has never been explained, and our monk friend who had set out to the mount the day before had never actually arrived. Shortly after, Trinidad regained full ownership of their telecommunication services, and I was given the chance to return home a failure but I've never made it past the central part of the island since that day so many years ago. I'm blessed by a dense concrete jungle today in the southern region of the island, San Fernando, and I've learned not to verbalize my experiences all too well. Like I said before, I am nearing the end of my life. My memory is fading, and there are times where I can't remember my own name. But I still hear dogs barking every night around 3 a.m. Dogs barking in a similar unhinged way. I have accepted that I may be insane. That I'm also losing my mind. I have come to terms with my cruel mistakes and I do not care if you believe me. Over the city and through the empty streets I have heard my brother's voice beckoning me home and I would like to return this bullet that he has buried so deep in me. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Jesus.